Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you that you are merciful to us. That you have given us life, that you have given us your grace when we didn't deserve it. You have given us your mercy for you did not give us what we did deserve. And so, Father, we just praise you and thank you for your gifts of mercy and of grace today. And, Father, now as we dig into your word, Father, we pray that you would help us to see just a little bit clearer about the message that you have for us, for our community. And, Father, we just pray that you would speak to our hearts, that we might grow in the knowledge of who you are. And, again, what you have done for us through your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Please be seated. It was now just a little over a week ago that we celebrated Holy Week. This was when Jesus died, was buried, and then on the third day he rose again from the dead. For those who believe it, it was through his death and resurrection that we were able to receive eternal life. And now that this has happened, now that we have been given new life, now what? What's next? So we turn to our gospel lesson for today from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. We read in Jesus' name. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then his disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them, when Jesus came. So the other disciples told them, told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve. But believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? 
Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Amen. So, what's next? Well, we are sent as his messengers. In verse 21, we read of the the sending of the disciples. He said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Now, there are three questions that we can ask about the disciples being sent. The first question is, well, why are the disciples being sent? Well, in Matthew 28, it says this, Go therefore and make disciples. So God is in the disciple-making business. And as Jesus has sent his disciples, that includes me and you too. So we have given, been given the opportunity to go then and make disciples. The second question is, well, to whom are they sent? Well, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this, that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so their Jerusalem was their hometown. That's where they lived. And Judea was the country in which they lived in. And then you have this place called Samaria. Now, Samaria wasn't the favorite place of these Jewish Christians. In fact, they avoided that place place at all costs. You see, the Samaritans were known to be kind of like half-breeds. They were half, half Israelite, half pagan. And so there was going to be no interaction between those two groups. And then to the ends of the earth, which could be anywhere. And so what does this mean for us? Our Jerusalem is Linwood, Edmonds, Muckleteo, Mount Lake Terrace. Anywhere where you live. And there, then there's Judea. The good old United States. Now we can debate on what is Samaria. Some people might consider Seattle to be Samaria. I don't know. Maybe Tacoma. A place where you would not want to be. And then to the ends of the earth, which might just include Chad Africa. The last question is how did the disciples go and make disciples? Well, through the Holy Spirit. It says, and when Jesus had told the disciples of being sent, 
He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. He told them how they were going to do it. Over the past couple months, our sermon series has been called Spirit-Filled Living. It's been based on Galatians chapter 5. It's where we read about the fruit of the Spirit. In January, we started talking about love. And then February and on, we talked about joy, peace, and patience. Well, this morning, we are reminded of the peace that we can have through the Spirit. You see, in verse 19, what, was the, what were the disciples doing? They were staying up in a room with the doors locked. They were in fear. They were afraid of what the Jews might do to them. They feared for their very lives. But there is also something that happens as Jesus is there and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Jesus, in not so many words, tells them to get out. Don't stay here. The Jews aren't going to do anything to you at this moment in time. You've got something to do. He asks them, well, what are you afraid of? It's time to get going. Could you imagine what they're thinking when Jesus says, I'm sending you? The Jews are after us. We feel secure inside with the doors locked. And yet Jesus is telling us to get out. And then in verse 22, eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. And again, the doors are locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. The Jews were all together and the doors locked. They were afraid of what the Jews might do to them since they already killed Jesus. But Jesus was not in the shelter in place kind of business. He was in the sending business. And just as the disciples were sent, so are we. We may not have to fear the we might not have to fear the Jews, but there may be other things that give us pause out in the world. Things that we're afraid of. It might be losing a job. It might be about being afraid of where the country is headed, which would include losing freedoms, no matter who the president is. Is there something that you would fear in sharing the gospel with those around us? Would you say that we fear not saying the right thing in the right way? Or being rejected? Losing friends? Or being humiliated? Do you think that people would come after us just as the disciples thought the Jews were coming after them? Will any of these things happen to us? Well, certainly, maybe someday soon. It may not be in the way that we would expect, but when it does happen, we're also able to forgive. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. God gave to the disciples his peace, yes. and he gives us his peace as well. Amen. We don't have to fear what might happen. And in his peace, we're able to forgive. And actually, it's expected. 
In verse 23, we read, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And then we see this exact thing with Jesus and Thomas. What did Thomas say? I'm not going to believe unless I see the, the nail prints. But Jesus doesn't condemn Thomas for his lack of faith. He doesn't cast Thomas aside because of his unbelief. But what is it that Jesus does? Jesus draws Thomas to himself. He draws Thomas to himself and he proves to Thomas of who he is. As he is the risen Lord. And Jesus offers us his forgiveness as well. For we all have done wrong against God. But God didn't let us suffer the consequences of our sin. He let Jesus suffer the consequences of our sin for us. Jesus didn't choose to condemn us. He chose to save us. He chose forgiveness over condemnation. You know, there's something that we pray for in the Lord's Supper, or the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Prayer. And we say, Father, forgive us of our trespasses, our sins, as we forgive those who trespass or sin against us. Forgiveness isn't always an easy thing to do, is it? Especially when somebody cuts us off just as we're trying to drive down the road. Do we want to say, we want to pull them over and say, you know, this is what you did, I forgive you. No! We want to press our hand on the horn and leave it there until the person discovers what they actually did. Okay, maybe that's what I would like to do. Or maybe instead of when somebody makes fun of us or treats us horribly, we treat them with forgiveness instead of letting them feel what we feel. And so when we go to those in our town, our nation, our places we don't want to go, and our world to share with people about Jesus, and people look down at us and they ridicule us, what do we do? We bring down the hammer. No, we don't do that. We forgive them. Do we go and start a war? Do we treat them like they treated us? No, we share with them the same forgiveness that was shown to us. A forgiveness that was not deserved or earned, but a forgiveness that was freely given. In the Holy Spirit and through His peace, we are also able to believe that God can do the extraordinary. I like to call it extraordinary. Could you count the number of people that rose from the dead? One, right? That's what Jesus did. I know some of you are out there saying, well, what about Lazarus? Well, God brought Lazarus out. He didn't raise himself. In verse 24 and 25 and 27, we see doubt in the words and actions of a disciple 
Now Thomas was one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord! But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but, don't, but believe. Thomas doubted that God did the extraordinary and could not and would not believe that Jesus rose from the dead until he saw Jesus himself. Then Jesus saw the marks from the nails, put his hand on Jesus' side, and, told, and, and Jesus told him to believe And he believed. He believed in what Jesus was able to accomplish. (laughs) There were many times that Jesus told the disciples that he would die and rise from the dead. And somehow they were surprised. Three times in which he would not have been any clearer. He says, I will die, but rise from the dead. And so what was their response when it did happen? Huh? What, what happened here? Have we done the same as Jesus told us of something that was going to happen and then we were kind of surprised by it? The same God who raised Jesus from the dead is the same God who works in extraordinary ways today. We can believe that God is able to do what he says he is going to do. In our witness, we may, de- we may doubt our effectiveness or doubt that we will say the, the right thing at the right time or make an impact on someone's life. But then we hear the words of Jesus as he spoke to Thomas. Do not doubt or disbelieve, but believe. Believe. Jesus overcame death. Death is the one thing that man has tried to overcome, but without any success. Sickness, yeah, we've taken medicine to help us with that. Debt, well, if we followed what Mr. Ramsey said, we might have got ourselves out at some point. But death, impossible. We can see how the disciples had a hard time believing that Jesus overcame death. But Jesus accomplished the impossible. He accomplished the extraordinary. If Jesus can overcome death, what is it that Jesus cannot overcome? Nothing! And now believing in what Jesus accomplished, the disciples go with that same hope and trusting that God will do something extraordinary through them as they are sent as his disciples. And as they went out, they were healing the sick and preaching the good news. They were seeing people being healed physically and being healed spiritually. Do you think the same could be done through people like you and me? The Bible tells us that if we have 
the faith as small as a mustard seed, we can move mountains. By listening to God, following what He says, we are able to do some extraordinary things. You see, the mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds. But when it grows up, it becomes the largest of all plants. We have trusted God for salvation. We have been saved. And we have seen others saved as well. But we also trust God for the everyday as well. That's what we say in the Lord's Prayer, don't we? Give us this day our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Things that happen every day. But we trust in God. We trust in His Word because His Word is powerful. The end of our text tells us, Now Jesus did many other things in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in the book. But these are written, why? So that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you have life in His name. Believing what? What the Word says. It's powerful. It is the Word of God, the Bible, the law and the gospel that changes lives. It has changed your life. It has changed my life. In fact, it continues to change lives. It continues to change our lives. It changes others as well. So we share with people the good news of great joy that is for all people. That, we were, that while we were dead in our sin, we have been made alive in Christ Jesus. And lives will never be the same. As we serve Him, as we share the good news, God continues to work through us and in us for the sake of His kingdom. And sometimes he does the extraordinary. Jesus came and he died and he rose again, not just for a few, but for the world. John 3.16 does not say, well, for God so loved, well, a couple people, that he sent Jesus. What does it say? For God so loved the world that he accomplished something extraordinary for you. He gave his one and only son that those who believe in him will not die, but will live forever. And you know what? He includes you in part of his plan of salvation for the world. Not that you could save anybody. Only Jesus does that. But he uses you to proclaim that message of good news. I mean, how exciting is that? That somebody else's salvation is not based on you, but based on Jesus. It's based on his word. And we don't have to worry about saying the wrong thing 
at the wrong time. Amen. We have the message. Amen. And just as important, we have the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us in this great opportunity that, that Jesus has given to us yes. to bring this good news to Linwood, mm -hmm. to Washington, yes, and to the world. Amen. Praise be to the God who loves us, who has loved the world, and has given us this great opportunity to present this good news of great joy that people might come to believe in what Jesus accomplished not so long ago. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. And Father, we thank you for telling us what's next. Father, first of all, we thank you that our salvation is not based upon anything that we could do or accomplish on our own, but something that has been accomplished for us as Jesus came and died on a cross and then rose again from the dead. And Father, now we heard about what is next, that you want us to go and proclaim that message to Linwood, wherever we live, to our country, to our world. Help us to do that, Lord. We know that we can't do it on our own power, but Father, a power that is greater than ours. Father, we thank you for your spirit who leads us, who guides us, who directs us, who gives us the words when we don't know what to say. And Father, help us to proclaim your truth to a world who desperately needs to hear it. So Father, we praise you and we thank you. We love you for what you accomplished for us. In something, you did something so extraordinary in sending Jesus. So Father, again, we just praise you and we thank you. We love you for all that you are and all that you have done for us through your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.